Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number five of the Modern Educator Podcast. This episode, I've got a co-host, interviewee, friend, person to talk to. Uh, it's my good buddy, Blair Richards. Go. Yes, hello. Um, I am a educator as well, just like Corey Brown here. And uh, yeah, I kind of met Corey at a uh, teaching uh, convention event for new teachers and got a good vibe uh, with him immediately and we kind of um, clicked and shared a similar uh, passion for um, education and that's kind of what brought me here today. Well, and what's what's the most interesting thing is I've been recording this podcast in the house that we share together. So yes, he is uh, uh, one of my best friends here in Vegas and he's also my roommate. So uh, great having you as my first ever guest, Blair. Oh, it's a privilege. Oh, well, thank you. So yeah, why don't you go ahead and uh, share with the world your background as an educator. Okay, yeah, I'm a PE teacher, elementary level, here in Vegas. This will be going on my uh, third year of teaching here in Vegas. And yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Um, I also have an extensive background as a uh, soccer coach. That's kind of what led me into the realm of education and teaching, and I've been coaching for about 10 years. Um, but, uh, yep, that's kind of my background and what I do today. Okay. Yeah, you want to, I don't know, get a little more specific with your back? Like, when did you sort of fall in love with teaching? And it was soccer coaching, but, like, when? Like, right yeah, I, I knew, uh, I, I worked with kids uh, coaching when I was uh, young in college, probably about my sophomore year, and I thought, this is, this is really cool. And, but to dive deeper than just cool, I feel like it was what I contribute the most to this earth. Like I feel like I'm doing, which is a great feeling, doing what I'm supposed to be doing and provide the most value um, to society. Um, I worked a job at State Farm for about two years after college and just didn't have the same passion. I didn't feel like, sure, I was impacting people through insurance, but I didn't feel like I was making that impact that I get uh, gratification out of like working with kids, for example. So that's kind of what brought me here today. And in, in, uh, I come from Pennsylvania and uh, actually is so passionate about teaching that I wanted to do phys ed that I came all the way out from Pennsylvania to be here um, just on a limb, really. Uh, my uncle lived here, but that's about all I knew. And I just knew I had to be out here because I knew this is what I'm supposed to do and I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Okay, and why Vegas specifically? Uh, there was... I was well, your uncle, you said. Right? Yeah, my uncle. But also, as a lot of people know out there, just trying to get that first job is so tough, no matter what yeah. field you're in. And I was just looking for someone to give me that opportunity. Uh, we, we were definitely in the same boat, me in California and you in Pennsylvania. So, yeah, okay. And, yeah, so you've been an elementary school PE teacher for three years. Um, and um, maybe I, I know that, at least in California, we never had elementary PE. So you want to talk about sort of what that entails? Yeah, so it was a learning curve when I first moved here because it is different than Pennsylvania. The kids have PE twice a, a week here rather than once a week in Pennsylvania. Also, the class sizes are significantly larger. I get 50 to sometimes uh, 70 kids, so it's a bit crazy, um, but I've adapted and I can share some of those things and adaptations I've had to, to make in the classroom later. Um, but uh, that's really really what it is, the emphasis really, and I guess this kind of ties in with my philosophy, but I think it's shared with a lot of PE teachers. We want to get kids active. How do we get active? Everyone knows activity is good for you. So my big emphasis is, well, can I at least at the elementary level associate physical activity with fun? So that way they're not discouraged moving forward and 
they think, oh, physical activity equals fun because I had fun with Mr. Richards in PE. So that's kind of where we start. And sure, we introduce some activities maybe they've never seen or done before. But that's really what we're trying to get them at is having fun and maybe finding an activity they enjoy so they continue um, onwards and being active. Well, yeah, and I, I wonder, so your goal is all about getting kids active. And is it, have you seen the, the, the internet, the cell phone, the Netflix age? Are we getting kids that are just not interested in being wild, crazy, runaround kids? Yeah, uh, there is other benefits of activity that's not just the physical, uh, the social, um, getting to socialize with other people and um, learning to be a part of a team culture. I think, I'll give you an example of eSports gaming. That's mm. really starting to take off. And I can't say, I, I don't think I would deter a kid from doing that. I would mm. say this is an opportunity that's still good for them because it's gonna get them in situations where they gotta make work with a team, sacrifice for the greater good, if you will. Um, obviously, I want them to find some kind of uh, physical activity outlet, and I, I try to tell kids, you know, it could be as simple as riding your bike or playing in the yard with friends. But I, I really, but sports, what I value about the sports um, area is just those other lessons you get from life, and it really shaped my life, and that's another reason I'm here where I am today, as I enjoy activity and I enjoyed my education, so. Well, it's, it's the group dynamic that you're really trying to promote. I, yes. I never really thought about that aspect of, of PE. Um, well, and I know in California, it was elementary PE. El, uh, in elementary school, you had recess, uh, and it was just sort of the teacher said, go run wild on the gym equipment. Here's a ball to kick around. Um, but yours is a very structured environment. Yeah, it's interesting. When I first moved here and started, I, I used to think, oh, I'll give these kids a great incentive. If they do good in my PE class, I'll give them PE sess, free time. <laughs> PE sess. Uh, I've gradually shifted away from that because I've noticed kids actually get a little bored and they want structure. And so I've kind of shied away from that and really um, homed in on just giving these kids quality games and stuff they enjoy with structure because sometimes... It's good for them to work it out on their own, but yet sometimes they need the parameters set and rules so the games go well. So that's kind of a, a shift I've made in my teaching, and I think kids, at the end of the day, want structure, some kind of structure, and I think it's good for them. Yeah, and yeah, we both just started uh, the new year of teaching, what, day three, four, just finished? See, I don't, I don't even know. And uh, yeah, laying down structure is sort of what I've been doing with all my students the last couple of days. This is... The way Mr. Brown's class runs, these are the procedures, and uh, that's 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 important at all levels of education, elementary or high school. Um, yeah, so uh, let, let's uh, let, just go ahead and start sharing me. Like, how do you reach kids? What do you what do you really do to make make be good teaching happen? One on one. I think this is one that people have always talked about, but you know, building a rapport with kids, uh, showing you care. Uh, kind of a measurement too for me so I'm at the elementary level so they kind of we don't get in these deep intellectual conversations of how I've shaped their life maybe I'm shaping it now and they don't realize it I mean they might not realize it for several years down the road that they really enjoyed me as a teacher so kind of the measurement I get from that they enjoy me is um, I guess a lot of teachers say they the kids talk about me a lot of kids want to go up and say hi to me all the time I think that's kind of a sign they've enjoyed my class. And then in the coaching realm, it's it's pretty gratifying. I'll get um, kids um, in the soccer world that request me to be their coach, which is, again, pretty pretty satisfying feeling. 
So uh, but to go back to how you reach kids, I really think it's kind of establishing that um, personal um, rapport with them and also just kind of showing you're passionate about it as well and that you care and not getting caught in a, a rut. Like I, the kids love when I come up with new games or new ideas just to, just to show you care. I think at the end of the day, we, we all just want to be you know people who care about us no matter what realm we're in. Yeah, and, and I want to comment on something you just said. It's this this passionate feeling you have about you know you. I know you love sports, and <laughs> I make fun of you for it on a, on a daily basis. Sports are cool. Don't don't get me wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, I've I've really got this sort of passion about history that I I feel can be contagious if presented in the right way to students. Um, and, and yeah, if you bring this passion about getting active, working in a team, uh, and if these elementary kids pick it up, that's, that's really awesome. Um, so yeah, without saying specific students' names, do you have any stories you'd like to share? Uh, yeah, I think I have, um, again, uh, so I, a big extension of what we do at our school is we've started a flat after school flag football program. Um, it's already was there when I arrived, but we kind of took it to the next level. And I, I started a soccer program at my school. So I kind of get to see the impact um, outside um, because basically the kids in my area are not as privileged in terms of you know being able to afford um, high-end sports clubs to be a part of. So we kind of offer this as almost a free service, very cost minimal. And you can just see, again, these kids don't quite always articulate. They do give me some notes. Um, a lot of times, these elementary kids, they don't even high school kids write notes to you. But uh, they give me some notes saying how much they appreciate the experience I provided them in PE and in these extracurricular activities we started for them. But you can just see how much it means to them. They ask me, the kids this week are actually asking me when soccer is. It, it doesn't even start until the spring, and they really <laughs> all, know this. They're already ready for soccer. But they're already it's asking August. for flyers for the school, <laughs> and, they, and they just love doing it. It's something that isn't just... It's unfortunate, but just a lot of kids don't get the opportunity to do these, whether it's sports or outside of sports, just extracurricular things. A lot of kids can't because their parents have things going on. They got to take care of the family and just don't have the time for them. Yeah, and I'll I'll make that comment too. Like uh, I've been coming into school, you know, at six a.m. Uh, an hour and ten minutes before school starts, and I've been leaving school two hours after school ends, and it's almost a a constant stream of current and former students uh just asking me life questions and uh sometimes it's little complaints and sometimes it's just that them wanting someone to talk to and uh you know if it's ever something really serious i can reference them to the the counselors but usually it's just having a positive adult role model that's around and available for them and i'm i'm sure these you know students i have would, would prefer maybe even to talk to their parents. But as you mentioned, yeah, the, especially the culture of Las Vegas, uh, people work night shifts and day shifts. And it's it's a lot, it's really kind of, kind of sad that these kids uh, don't have maybe an adult role model that they can look up to all the time. So that's sort of a secondary job we must face, my friend. Um, all right, so uh, I don't know, you want to tell me some classroom strategies you have? Uh. Yeah, I have a, well, just from a, I'll go kind of global and then I'll go dive more into it. Okay, good. I, I like to, 
it's not in my vibe of being a yeller. And again, everyone has their own. I'm not saying, you know, all yellers are bad teachers or this and that. I mean, we all have our own way we like to go about things. And I'm not saying one's right or wrong. But I really do feel um, with the modern kid, it definitely, it's better to be on the other side of things, being a little bit more laid back. Um, obviously, you got to have your structure in there. Um, but basically what I'm trying to say is I like to come across as kind of goofy, being fun, connecting with the kids. And my punishment with them is now you're not behaving like you're supposed to. I'm going to take this fun away from you, mm. um, especially at the elementary level. And um, they really you know, love the activities we do and see, we bring out the music and all of this good stuff. But when they're messing up, music's put away. I'm not going to get in, sometimes I jump in and play with them. I'm not going to jump in and play with them. So it's almost like a removal of fun than an actual, a stern, rigid talking to. Because as humans, we really don't, at the end of the day, we really don't like being yelled at. Yeah. Uh, I, I equate it to when I had my boss at State Farm. He was so great. I, it was like the vibe I didn't want to let him down. It's not like he would scold me or tell me this and that. It was, he's so cool. He, he lets me do this and that. I really don't want to let him down. Well, have you ever had an experience, though, where you really did have to bring on your mean face, though? Yeah, and I think it, it whenever a student's, obviously a big one's like another student's at, you know, in danger of someone's using violence. I've seen, not seen it too often at the elementary level, but um, I, get, I get really ticked off when someone, when kids verbally uh, pick on someone about their characteristics, mm. you know, their size, um, usually, or how, or something about them, and that just really ticks me off. And uh, the kids also know uh, not to lie to me. Uh, that's kind of a big one. Um, so if like I see them push a kid and then they come lie to me, I'll be I'll just kind of lose it a little bit. Like you lied, go sit out. Uh, whereas if they don't lie to me, they say yeah I pushed a kid, I messed up. Then we kind of talk about it. So definitely the mean voice comes out once in a while, and I think that I the fact that I don't use it very often makes it all that much more powerful. Okay. Yeah. No. I, I'm 100 percent with you on the the mean voice thing. That's uh. Yeah. It's it's so it's so interesting how many things are at the high school and the elementary level as far as just being a an effective educator. Um. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you want to talk about maybe? Is there any lessons you've done recently that really come to mind of how you really really engaged all the kids and really reached them in a unique way? Yeah. We do. Uh... Well, we do some team building coming up, and that's actually, we'll be starting this next week. Team building in the beginning years, what I like to do with elementary kids. Uh, well, team building is good throughout, again, I keep saying elementary kids, but a lot of these lessons, like Corey said, goes up all the way to high school, even in your adulthood. Uh, but we like to start with team building, and we do this cool thing called, I got this when I was a student teacher, it's called um, Survivor Island. Oh. So the kids basically start off on this make-believe island, I designate it with cones. They, they're, or they're starting on a sinking ship, sorry, it's the reverse. They're on a sinking ship. They got to get to the safety zone, the safety island. And they can only use the tools at their disposal to get from one end to the other end. And, it, and you can't just walk across because I say, you know, it's water with some sharks in it or something crazy and the kids love it. But there's some mats I put out and there's a limit of only two kids per mat um, with some of the mats. And then there's some also some strategy involved because... One of the ways to actually solve it um, is actually if the kids are smart, they can unfold the mats and work as a team. And there's some scooters and some other equipment. Basically, they got to work as a team to get from one side to the other. And the kids really enjoy that working as a team uh, unit. So, And then the other thing we do kind of coming up that's pretty cool is uh, Ninja Warrior stuff. Ooh. 
Yeah, the kids go crazy about that. We'll throw out like a balance beam. We'll have a stall, tall stack of mats and the kids have to jump over it. And what's cool about seeing that is kids encouraging kids that kind of have a trouble getting over the wall, but eventually they get over. But just kids clapping them on and cheering them on uh, is really cool to see. All right. Yeah. And I, I, I you know, we've, we've talked a lot living together for two years about just teaching, but I, I think this is the first time I've really noticed that a lot of what I do in my classroom is inherently creative. I create these simulation games in my world history class and kids really, really feed off of this fact that I created something new. And here you are telling me that, you know, as a PE teacher, you're creating these uh, wild, interesting games that I'm sure you have a lot of ownership over because they came out of your head and the kids really feed off the excitement because it's something you've done. So, yeah, it's... Uh, do you have any other really interesting things that you created for, for your students that was just straight out of your mind? Uh, one thing str straight out of my mind, I think some teachers might do something similar, but we do kind of a PE all-star board. Mm. Uh, kids really like cool seeing their name. and if Basically, if a kid does a great job for the month, every month for a couple classes that come in, we give them a PE all-star. They put their name on a board and get to see kind of their accomplishments. Uh, some other minor things I do is I have these VIP mats and if the mm. kid's doing a great job, they actually get to sit on a little cushion in the classroom while we're talking. Because uh, a lot of times we come in the classroom before we go outside. Um, so that's kind of a, a unique thing, I think, that's kind of cool. And again, it's uh, I'm not going to scold you for talking, but I will take you off the VIP notes. Oh, yeah, and that, that probably <laughs> is, is more of a threat than anything else. No, no VIP treatment, especially <laughs> in Las Vegas. Jeez. Um, yeah, and you know, I, I remember when I was doing my summer camp counseling years ago, I, uh, I did this one lesson where all of my students drew some kind of picture, okay? And I, I think I had like, I had one prize to give away. And so I looked at all the pictures and I sort of judged which one was best. And I, you know, said, I don't remember the kid's name. All right, Tara wins the prize. Hooray. And then clap, clap, clap. But I noticed a bunch of kids, they were sort of sad because they at least wanted acknowledgement that their art was good. Now, d don't get me wrong. I'm not advocating everybody gets a trophy here. But this is what I did. Tara kept her prize, but I brought up every single paper one at a time. And I said, you know, Stephen's paper wins the prize for being the most green. And all the kids applauded and Stephen was really happy. And then, oh, t talk about my pictures. So I got up there and I said, you know, this picture is the most silly or something and, and kids really connected with that of having this praise and everybody being approved of can i i would add to that too it, it's so hard as educators is and i think you would agree sometimes we we see the top kids and we see these the lower kids that you know need some correction but sometimes we forget about that middle pole yeah the um, ones that you can bring up all the way yeah and i guess to answer that is the one thing i guess we do do in our school is if the, if the whole class is good, we give them like an eagle buck as a whole class because we're the eagles. Anyways, as that accumulates for each class, they, it, they get popcorn parties and some movie parties. So they can win as a class um, if we forget to acknowledge the individual. And I do try my best to acknowledge the individuals, but you're right. Sometimes um, we need to be cognizant of the kid that doesn't always stand out but is still doing a pretty good job. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really identifying that too. And I mean, I'm I, I'm much more cognizant at the start of this school year about really trying to be equitable with my time in the classroom. I'll, I'll be honest. In previous years, I sort of, I don't know, focus on, as you mentioned, those very top kids or I focus on the very bottom kids. 
and you really gotta gotta give your time to everybody in there. Um, all right, you, you do you have any comments to say about being a an after school soccer coach for elementary kids? Yeah, it's uh, well, the one thing I notice is uh, it's the kids that are in that their behavior goes up dramatically um, in the classroom because mm. they know um, it can kind of affect their um, activity time in the soccer realm. Um, so, but uh, yeah, coaching the elementary kids at my school has been really rewarding, um, giving the kids an opportunity. And then I get to kind of work with in a club setting as well. It's kind of a setting where kids play to play uh, soccer. Um, and it's kind of cool seeing kids that are in a setting where they want to be there. Um, you know, as opposed to school, sometimes the kids just don't really want to be there. And then getting to coach in an environment where the kids want to be there. Is, is pretty rewarding. Hopefully, I think the goal is we get all the kids in school on board with that same mindset of wanting to be there. And we just got to keep trying and creating that positive environment. Okay. All right, now, I, I kind of want to ask you this tough question here. Can you reflect over your time as a, a teacher and a coach and maybe think of one time where you didn't reach a kid, where you maybe failed with a kid and maybe you, you learned how to be better from it? Yeah, uh, trying to rack my brain here. Let me think here. Yeah, make sure you don't say the kid's actual name. That's that's never any good. Yeah. I think in terms of, you know, I think I maybe and again the 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 young kids they won't always tell you you let them down. I kind of feel like maybe I let. There's a few maybe individuals in my school that maybe I let down in terms of, you know, my goal is I I still want kids to get more active or find something uh, that they enjoy and sometimes I find the same kids that just aren't into PE and just not active. Hey, I, and, I was definitely one of them growing up, I'll be honest. And and sometimes I feel like, man, maybe I, I, I'm i probably guilty of it sometimes of just letting them do their thing and not maybe, and just kind of ignoring them, I guess, in a sense. And I know they need to be doing more stuff, but it's like I constantly am giving, telling them to and I just, it's a fight that just... Um, it's just really tough with them and I kind of feel like maybe I let them down because they're still kind of in their same ways um, as before so I feel like those are maybe kids I haven't quite reached yeah well and look I don't blame you man you yeah. said you got 70 kids out there yeah, that you're responsible yeah. for and if you've got 69 of them on board with your your games uh, then you feel like you're good to move on yeah. but uh, what what can be done for that that one kid that you're not reaching what do you think do yeah you need more attention Maybe more attention. Uh, I like to talk to the, the classroom teachers, see if I can find more, because they get to see them more consistently through the day, get on a one-on-one level with that kid. Uh, I need to do this better. Uh, have a conversation with their parents, kind of find out yeah. what their, or at least find out what their situation is at home. Maybe there's something going on that I don't know, and just, just really try to find out what makes them tick. Um, I actually... Um, this is almost like a, not to be, well, it's kind of like a Pavlov dog thing. I uh, had a kid that just wasn't, he just was always off task, not behaving well. And we just started, you know, giving him a, a little uh, cheese it here and there. And <laughs> a little cheese it Yeah, and he, <laughs> kindergarten, mind you. Wow. And then he was actually on task consistently. And then, uh, but I think uh, overall, and, and I think you've said this too, uh, Corey, is just praising kids, I think, helps a lot. And yeah. uh, positive reinforcement over negative for sure. So this kid that, Usually he's messing around nine times out of ten. I, I praise him the one time he's doing something good. I was like, good job getting in line. You were out of line <laughs> You were out of line to begin with, but you got back and listened to me, so good job. <laughs> wow, yep, that's that's all it is. Just a little more praise. Um, let's see, do you have any advice for any future teachers trying to join the profession? Yeah, 
uh, you definitely got to be uh, firm in the beginning of the year. I come ac- again. I come across as this lackadaisical guy, which I am. But I, you, re- I think you really got to be stern in the beginning of the year if you can. The first month or two, at least, and even still throughout the year, always be consistent. But you really got to be firm with that consistency. Otherwise, the kids will take advantage of that. And and in my class, if the kids take advantage of things, it just wouldn't be as fun. So I'd say it's it's tough. It's not even in my DNA to be stern, but you just got to really stick to your um, your principles, your rules, your procedures in the beginning of the year. And uh, other than that, my other advice would be try not to get caught in a rut. I enjoy this this podcast. I'm getting new ideas from Corey um, every day. Just, and, cre- and like we say, being creative, finding new ideas. It's really easy to just click in the same lesson, copy-paste <laughs> copy, paste the same lesson. Right. But, but you got to be willing to get out there become better every day and it's for the benefit of our kids and you know try to find new lessons try to find new ways to teach i actually and this is the last thing i'll say about this question you gave me um i was actually thinking the other day and i don't think i will get the opportunity to do this i was driving in the car from soccer and i was thinking about Corey, and i was like um man i'd like to be a fly on the wall in his class one day right like you talk about what you do i would love to just sit in your class and see how it goes and i'm sure i would pick a thing or two up well, I, I, we, we do live in different worlds, Blair and I, and I, I'll comment on some of the things you said. Fully agree that your, your firmness needs to be established at the beginning of the year, and especially at the elementary level. I remember when I was a summer camp counselor doing that all the time. But, you know, this year, I, I was just getting the kids comfortable and funny and getting to know them on day one. Um, look, I'm a big, physically intimidating dude. And at the high school level, I already, I think I have in just about every class, I've had a kid that I've taught either in my speech and debate program, or I've already, I've got some cousins and younger brothers and sisters of students I already had. So my reputation's already set. Um, but yeah, at the elementary level, you got to be like, I'm the boss, don't mess with me. But at the high school level where I'm at, kids are like, oh, it's Mr. Brown. Like, I respect this man already. And, and yeah, you brought it up earlier too, saying that, when a kid respects you, they want to work for you. They want your praise. And I already have that with like three students in all my classes and it's day four. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, it, it would be cool if, if you could somehow really see what I do. I mean, look, I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not Superman in there. Uh, there's, there are bad days where I go home and I'm like, dang, I wish I could be better. Um, and, and your, your point about hitting the repeat button on previous lessons and, and switching things up, uh, I'm going to slightly disagree with your point because my first year teaching here in Vegas, I spent countless hours designing a curriculum, creating all my own presentations, my own worksheets, my own tests. I, I probably should have just found existing ones and highly edited them or copied them or something. Well, maybe not copied I definitely advocate doing your own own stuff, but uh, I made my own material, and the last three years, it's just been me slightly modifying that material, but uh, ultimately, I'll agree that you can't do the exact same thing. Yeah. You've got to see what you've done and reflect on it, think about it, and decide how it could be better, for sure. Yeah, and uh, just to add off that, yeah, I agree. I'll just give you an example I've done kind of some football unit with my kids and I started to realize you know third grade's just not that into it so <laughs> we kind of I try to tweak it you know I say okay we're not gonna do football games uh, we'll just kind of do some modified things um, and when I say football games I mean the traditional uh, you know rules of football 
And then another thing in, uh, with my fifth graders this year I just started is I have a NFL division where it's like the serious kids. And then I have the division where the kids are just, you know, they're just kind of there. And, you know, they don't really, um, aren't as hardcore about it, I guess you could say. And I, and I think, and I'm pretty confident when I see it, and I'll, I'll let you know because I live with you, but um, <laughs> I'm pretty confident the kids that are typically not involved will be involved in their kind of own division, per se. Um, and then I just wanted to kind of go one last thing and ask you a question on reversal. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Do you find that, we talked about being firm. I've noticed that I've been less firm because the kids have gotten to know me. Like, I have less oh, kids yeah. in timeout. They get to know me. Um, throughout the year, so they kind of know what flies with Mr. Richards and what doesn't. I don't know if you found that as well. Oh yeah, of of course. Um, yeah, once kids get to know you, they know where your limits are. Um, but I'll, I'll say this though, like, and I don't know if this is true in the elementary level, but in the teenage level, I've had kids that have started as superstars, doing all my homework, doing my work great, but then. I don't know, life happens, I guess, through their sophomore year of high school. And I have seen kids spiral downwards, um, behavior-wise, classroom-wise. And of course, you know, I have these conversations. I'm like, kid, what's going on? Like, you are not, you did not come to me like this. And I know it's never, like, me. They're never like, oh, it's because I hate you, Mr. Brown. It's other things are happening in their life, and they... They just can't give their all to school anymore. Um, and that's that's why I do have to sometimes bring up the firmness, but to individual students. Um, but but yeah, reputation is everything with, with students, for sure. Having that rapport with them, that's what prevents you from yelling at them in the first place. And I think, and we've talked about this, it's, it's a lot of work, but you, there's not a, uh, I guess a paint a cover all. You know, you really need to dive in and see, get to know each individual kid. Yeah. Some kids need a little, and especially in, you know, some kids need a kick in the backside. You know, and metaphorically speaking, and um, other kids, you know, need a little bit more softness. So it's all about finding, I think, that right niche for each kid and what makes them tick too. Yeah, and I'm just impressed because see, I deal with you know between thirty and forty students at a time, but you deal with seventy students at a time. That's it's just so much more of a relationship to build. Yeah, it, it gets to be tough. Um, I'll be I'll be honest. My first year of teaching was really just the focus was on let's make sure no one comes out of here bleeding or <laughs> air with a concussion and no fights. Up, oh, no, none of that. Okay, we had a good day. Uh, now that I've gotten comfortable, and when I first got here, actually, I didn't have an assistant for about from. Seven. Oh, you have an assistant, so yeah. there, that that solves that issue. I so guess. that does it does help, but it, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, but I've definitely had to learn to adapt my games and stuff too, and make sure um, kids are all active. And a lot of times it becomes sometimes just general tag games, but uh, it's been fun challenge for sure. And uh, I would love to if I. If I was back in the Pennsylvania classroom for about 25 kids, I don't know. I would just be in bliss. I mean, not that I don't enjoy what I'm doing now, but I would feel overly prepared. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you this. Right now, my first period class has 20 students, and a class I have later in the day has 42 okay, students. Yeah. And uh, my administrator called me in and said, you know, Corey, it's not going to last for long. We're going to shuffle the students around and I'm like no I was getting such a such a personalized vibe so give us give us less kids in the classroom and we can make make those greater connections yeah. as for sure um, 
All right, man. Well, thanks for being on this episode with me. I really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, yeah, if uh, anybody listening has any ideas for future episodes or things they want to hear being discussed about, please send an email to vegasmoderneducator at gmail.com. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye.